0: If you're a Christian, I want you to think about the day when you decided to follow Jesus, the day you were baptized into Christ, where you were, who you were with, uh, what was taking place. Uh, From a preacher's perspective, baptism is one of those things that's also very familiar. Uh, It's a very reverent act. It's a very important part. It's the the, the beginning of our Christian walk, Uh, but there's also things that happen uh, that are just well, kind of like some of what happened this morning, that are just somewhat silly. So I thought I wanted to, came across this article written by Ed Stetzer, and I thought it was very timely since we were on this subject. Uh, He asked uh, those in ministry to share some of their funniest baptism stories, and there's too many to share, but there were some good ones I thought I would share with you uh, this morning. One guy said, one of our church families had an in-ground pool that we used for baptisms. The people of the church gathered around the pool on a small hillside, and the people being baptized were in the pool. While I stood at the top of the steps addressing the congregation before I turned to get in the pool. As I addressed the congregation, I stepped into the pool, my feet slipped on the steps, and I went completely under the water, feet first, baptizing myself first. Another young guy wrote, 22 years old, Easter Sunday, largest crowd ever, light gray dress pants, water got into my waiters at the worst possible place it could get on your waiters. So I looked like I had wet myself after the baptism. No change of clothes, just had to lead worship and preach right after the baptism uh, and the announcements. He just told them he was really nervous. <laughs> That is also why we do baptisms after the sermon around Northside. One preacher wrote, my oldest, I baptized my oldest daughter, and when I did, I got her name wrong because I was so nervous. When I introduced her to the church, I, w- I, I, I got her name wrong. So years later, when I baptized my youngest daughter, she handed me a note that said simply, my name is Samantha. Samantha. Another guy wrote, Tall fellow, didn't tell me he was afraid of the water. When he began to panic, I swept his feet from under him with my legs so he would go under. He did go under, and then he climbed me like a ladder to reach the surface, plunging me under in the process. Another person wrote, I baptized a teenage girl who was afraid to go under the water. I didn't know that at the time. Tried three times to dunk her, but her legs wouldn't let me. Fourth time was the charm. Uh, Another minister wrote, used my chest waders, I was unaware there was a hole in them, those babies filled right up, I couldn't get out of the baptistry, had to unbuckle myself from the waders to get out. Um, One more guy writes, I live in Tennessee, little boy asked, uh, right before I baptized him, very sincerely said, is it still okay for me to hate Alabama after I'm baptized? (laughs) The congregation laughed, a few applauded. I see Jim nodding in agreement, so one of our elders. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you have a story like that of your baptism. Uh, The very first person I baptized here at Northside was as a youth minister, young teenage girl, uh, being baptized, she was probably 13, 14, uh, up at teen camp. Uh, we were at the Singing River Ranch, and that water that ran through that river was cold, cold. We tried to make it so fast just so uh, she didn't die of hypothermia and go straight to heaven. I hope that you have something special about the day when you chose to put on Christ in baptism, because it's an important day. As we talk about this this morning, I thought, well, how do we address this? So what I want to do very Simply and very briefly this morning is run us through some common questions that people ask about baptism both here and on Know Your Bible. Uh, There is some confusion about the subject, so hopefully this lesson will help clarify. So open your Bibles and we'll jump straight in. The first question is, what is baptism? Baptism. Uh, the, the word baptize, any form of that in the English translation that you have, I don't care if it's ESV or NIV, uh, it's what we call a transliterated word, meaning they took the Greek word, which is baptizo, which is what you see on the screen, and they just anglicized it. Well, that didn't really help much because we didn't have an English equivalent. But the word, if you know any Greek, means always and forever to be immersed, to be dipped, to be dunked, to be submerged, to be plunged in—in in other words, a person is going to get fully wet. Okay, and this the baptism wasn't just used in religious context. That's how often what we think about it, but it was also used in—you know—you would uh, uh, archaeologists and people who study history have found ancient documents recording events like ships going under the water in a shipwreck using the word baptizo. So that's what the word means. Uh, we don't have to know Greek. It helps, but we don't have to know Greek. We can simply look at the scripture. I put a, a verse there for you in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Why don't you turn there if you're following along, because I don't want you to just take my PowerPoint uh, for it. Uh, I want you to know the scripture for yourself. Colossians 2, 12. Paul rides to the church at Colossae. He's talking about how the, the old law has been nailed to the cross, and how we live and how we are alive with Christ. He says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith, in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So baptism isn't really complicated if you understand the word and if you understand scriptures uh, every single time a person is baptized, we're talking about them being put under or buried in or submerged under or immersed under the water. You say, well, why is that important? You probably, many of you in this audience say, well, well duh, we, we know that. The, the reason I spend a little bit of time on this, because if you go to Google and you type the very same question, you're going to get pictures like this. Pictures of pouring or sprinkling or someone, uh, what I'll use in quotes, bat, being baptized. Okay, Now you need to understand if you've been baptized this way, I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm not trying to be harsh on you. I think actually it's a very honorable thing that you have parents who are committing to raising you in a godly way. That's a good thing. But technically speaking, what is happening to this little infant is not baptism. In fact, there's a whole other Greek word, rantizo, this child is being rantizo, which means to pour or to sprinkle. So these things are totally different, and I just wanted to spend just a brief amount of time so you understand and are clear what the scripture teaches about baptism, both in the original language and in every biblical description. Every biblical description describes a baptism in this way a person going into the water, going under the water, and up out of the water. Now, admittedly, there are not a lot of descriptions of just every part of baptism, but there are a few, and we want to look at those very briefly. Turn to Acts chapter 8. We read the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, probably the first Gentile convert, Acts chapter 8, This very interesting and unusual story gives us some insights into baptism. Now, obviously, the eunuch is reading scripture. He is studying the prophet Isaiah. He doesn't understand. Philip comes up alongside him and explains to him the gospel. Now, of course, they wouldn't have had the New Testament, so he's using Old Testament scripture to point and to profess Jesus the Christ. And obviously, some point at some time in that conversation, baptism, had to come up because if we're looking in verse 36 actually you know what we'll we'll come back to verse 36 let's let's go to verse 38 but acts chapter 8 the question is given what prevents me from being baptized and he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the waters verse 38 Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. A very simple point in those couple of verses. Baptism is is a going into and coming up out of the water. Same with Matthew chapter 3 when the account of Jesus' baptism. If you're following along, Matthew chapter 3 is where you'll find that. And it says Jesus came up out of the water. It's important because if you want to understand a biblical definition of baptism, it's good to look at what the Scripture says. Next question, why does baptism matter? Why does it matter? Is it important? Is it significant? If you ask a number of people like me, if you put it on Google, if you you went to a church and asked their, their preacher or their pastor or their minister... Is baptism important? You get a number of different answers. We say that baptism is important for a number of reasons. The first and foremost is because Jesus said that it mattered. In John chapter 3, John records a conversation he had with a fellow by the name of Nicodemus. John chapter 3. Now, Nicodemus comes to him at night, he is curious about Jesus, but doesn't want to be associated with Jesus, and they start talking about very important matters, and he says, Jesus says, verse 3 of chapter 3 of John, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's pretty important. That's very important. Now, it confused Nicodemus. He said, well, how is this going to happen? How, how is one born again? What does that mean? And Jesus goes on to explain, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, which is born of the spirit is spirit. So, baptism is a physical act, but there's a spiritual component, and Jesus was very clear, unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's real important. I'll just address the youth group for just a minute, because in a few years, you are going to go on your own. You're going to fly the nest. You're going to make decisions about where might I go to church, if I will go to church. And one thing you might want to pay attention to, what does that church teach about is baptism important. Some churches will say, well, it's an outward sign of an inward grace. It's, it's, a, it's a good, you kind of get some bonus points for it, but you don't have to do it. And you should just simply turn to your Bible and read John chapter 3. Or you might go to Mark 16, 16. A well-known scripture at the end, as Jesus is giving final instructions to the apostles, he simply says in a very clear unambiguous way these words mark 16:16 16, 16, if you don't know where that is turn to page 1096 in the pew bible he says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned jesus commanded baptism. And this is important because if Jesus commanded baptism, then you need to understand that it's not a work. It is not something we're doing to earn our salvation. It's something that we are doing in response to what Jesus said to do. For example, if Jesus said to believe, you believe and be baptized. Well, if you ask any preacher do you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God to be a Christian? Well, they'd say, of course, absolutely. They'd point you to the scriptures, time and again. But then, when you ask in the second part, baptized, well, well, you know, it, you know, it's a it's a good thing. If you want to do it, that's fine. But you don't have to. It's not that important. And I take uh, issue with that from a biblical perspective, not from a personal one. Jesus commanded baptism, so it's not a work, it's not a work, any more than belief or repentance or profession of faith. Think about it like this. I think I heard Steve say this one time. I don't know if it's original to Steve, but uh, here it is. Baptism is not how you're saved. You are saved by faith in Christ Jesus through the grace of God. You are saved by the grace of God through faith. So baptism is not how you're saved. Baptism is simply when you're saved. It's when you accept the grace of God. It's when you show your faith in Christ. Baptism is when. What happens at baptism? All right, well, several things. So we're going to run through these very quickly. But he says uh, there are several scriptures here, so I'm just going to give them to you. The first and second are probably the biggest... I don't know, they're all important, okay? So in no particular order, you are forgiven of your sins. Past, present, future. What you would consider big sins or what you might consider small, insignificant sins. All those sins that separate you, that make you fall short of the glory of God, according to Romans 3.23... All those sins that make you worthy of a spiritual death from Romans 6.23, all of those sins are washed away, not by the water, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2. This is a, a verse that script, uh, Church of Christ folks ought to know quite well. Sometimes I think we know it so well we forget how important it is. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, this is the end of the sermon, he's culminating, he has said, this Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Now, here, they are cut to the heart, this is where you know it's a good sermon, they cut, were cut to the heart, and they didn't just say, well, that was interesting, I got my outline filled, I feel pretty good about that, I might share that lesson with somebody else, they say, what do we do? And Peter's response is very simple. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now note this, what he says next, verse 39. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. He was saying, this is what you need to do. This is why that's important. And it's not just for you. It's for the generation after you. And for all the generations after you. And so for 2,000 years, we understand very simply that baptism is required to be a Christian And it's coupled with belief, it's coupled with repentance, and you receive forgiveness, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within the Christian, nothing mysterious about that, it's just a promised helper who helps us in many different ways. Third, we are clothed with Christ. You are putting on Christ. The way to be in Christ is to put on Christ, the way to put on Christ is in baptism. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, Paul writes, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In other words, baptism isn't just to become a member of a, of a church. Baptism is, just an, is not an outward sign of an inward grace. Baptism is when, from a biblical perspective, you put on Christ. Number four, you are committing to a new way of life, Now this is really important. Remember Peter said, repent and be baptized. That's important because what it tells us is you've got, there's got to be a change in there. In other words, if you say, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and then you get wet and you come up out and you, you're living in the same way and your attitude towards sin is that, hey, I'm a Christian, I can do whatever I want. And Paul would say, God forbid. Turn to Romans chapter 6 a great, great set of scriptures on the subject of baptism, not just in what it is, but what also it means. Acts chapter 6, we're just going to start in verse 1. What should we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or don't you know, catch this, don't you know that all of us who who have been baptized into Christ Jesus... We're baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Death, what do you mean death? Not a physical death. We're talking about a spiritual death, a death, a dying to yourself, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In other words, when you're baptized, things change from that point going forward. I'll never forget it. It was 31 years and 24 days ago. A young 12-and-a-half-year-old Toby on a Sunday night in February at a small church here in town at a small, sparsely attended Sunday night service was when I decided to be obedient to Christ. To express that belief by my faith and obedience to Him in baptism. And I meekly walked down there to the front row, and Bruce Dimmock, who was preaching the sermon that night, a sermon on, I think, 1 Thessalonians, if I recall, but I don't remember much. And he came, and my my great-uncle, Keith, came up and, and he was going to take the confession and he said some words again which I don't remember and he asked me, do you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Son of God? And with all the sincerity I could muster, I said, yes. Now that moment had, would, would forever change my earthly trajectory, but more than that, my eternal trajectory. I knew it was important. I knew I needed to do it. I I couldn't argue with scripture. It was clear as a seventh grade boy could understand. That's how simple it is. And we, we make it very much more complicated than it needs to be. But I knew in that moment, I was committing to Jesus and I was committing to an entire new way of life. And I've been to the best of my ability, living that out for 31 years in my perfect, Heavens, no, that's why I needed to be baptized. It's a new way of life, Paul says, and that's what we are committing to. I want to make sure it's important that we understand that. Finally, you are added to the body of Christ, which is the church. Now, that's important to understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 Paul writes, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, and all were made of the one spirit to drink. All right, next, who should be baptized? Well, I think first, it's important to understand uh, that this is kind of a tricky question, especially in churches of Christ. So I want to help you from a biblical perspective. All right, first, go back to Acts chapter 8. We're going to go back to the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. There in that passage, there is a verse that's missing. Most translations do not have verse 37. Now, there's some reasons for that. It's because they do with the manuscripts. Some had verse 37, some didn't. But I want to read this story to you again with verse 37 so that you understand Uh, a picture of what Luke is giving us. Acts chapter 8, hopefully you're back there, verses 36 is where we're going to begin. He says, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, in that moment, at least from verse 37, we get a picture that the eunuch believed. And he professed that belief with his mouth. And we understand from other scriptures that's important. All right, well, you say, well, yeah, of course that's important for someone to believe. Well, okay, this is why we do not baptize infants babies. Because they don't have the ability to believe like Jesus commanded. So it's important if you're someone who believes. The second is, it's someone who is committed. Turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Matthew 10:37. And following, this is page 1046 in the Pew Bible, Jesus wrote about following him. He said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The second, is not just those who believe, but it's those who are committed. We need to understand that, that those who are committed. Now, now this is kind of the issue with baptizing young kids. This is the problem that we have. And you say, well, what does the Bible say about what age you should be baptized? Doesn't give us an age. There's a reason for that. Because some kids are ready at age nine, and some kids aren't ready at age thirty-nine. It's a a maturity issue, a maturity of faith. So I think the most important part is you have to understand the commitment. If your young child says to you, Dad, I want to be baptized. I say, well, you know, your kids will say a lot of things. Dad, I want a puppy. All right? We understand as parents how that works. A puppy's fun for a little while, isn't it? But then you have the commitment you got to feed them and water them and take them for walks and clean up after them and give them a bath. That's commitment. And so we understand from a parental perspective that you don't acquiesce and give a child everything that they want to do. You have to see if they are committed. So I think the Bible doesn't give us a, a an age because I think some kids, I can tell you with all my heart that at age 12 I was committed and I knew this was a lifelong commitment that's what Jesus wants you to understand. When you're baptized, you have to believe in him and you have to be committed to him for life. Lastly, oh, and by the way, I've got a little resource. If you are a parent with young kids, maybe they've been asking, maybe this lesson spurs some interest and you're like, eh, I don't know. And if you need some help, I've got a couple of resources. They'll help you walk through that as a, as a mom or dad. Okay. So if you Need that? Come talk to me after the service. Finally, it needs to be those who are penitent. Remember, Peter said, repent and be baptized. There's an idea of repentance that has to come in there when you're making the commitment. Commitment is simply agreeing with God, agreeing that your sin is sin, agreeing that's not good, that's not what God wants, and understanding that your sin separates you from God. So who can be baptized? Those who believe those who are committed, and those who are penitent or are repenting. So, I'll finish with this. One last question for you. There's a question posed to Paul in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. If you've been reading through the scriptures and studying with us, maybe you've been thinking about baptism, and you believe, and you're committed, and you are ready to turn away from the old life of sin I want to ask you this very simple question it's found in Acts 22:16 and now why do you wait rise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name Baptism is such an important subject and I hope we don't just overlook it. Hopefully this has been helpful for you this morning. But if you're ready, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you are committed to a lifetime to that and you are penitent of your sin, then here in just a minute, Brent's going to lead us in a song and you can head straight to the back and talk to one of our shepherds and tell them about your belief and your desire to commit your life to Christ and to have your sins washed away and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We'd be glad to help you with that today. If you have that need or any other need, we'll ask that you head to the back and speak with one of our shepherds. Now together we stand and sing.